Because there's no greater joy in life, no greater joy knowing that someone you care about is going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I remember my fir- the first person I led to Jesus when I came to America was Chuck. His name was Chuck, very American name. And uh, uh, he, he didn't want to know really. I remember the first Sunday he turned up at church, right? He, we, Jane and I said to each other, he will never be back. Girlfriend he had at the time had dragged him along and who uh, went on to be his wife in the end, but she dragged him along and he did not want to be there. And we just said, he's never coming back. His arms folded, he had a scowl on his face. He did not look uh, at all like he wanted to be there. And then would you believe it? I'm sitting one day talking to him with a dinner and uh, then after the, a few days later, we played golf. And then a week or so later, I'm sitting with him in the Kroger parking lot of, every, of all places. The Kroger parking lot. And I knew it was the time. And I turned around and I said, Chuck, you know, we've come to this point where there's obviously inside of you a desire for God. And I want to tell you the only way you're going to experience God is if you invite Jesus into your heart. Would you like to do that? And there we are sitting in the parking lot of Kroger, and he said, yes. And so right there, no music playing, no church service on, we prayed and asked Jesus into our heart, into his heart. So I was already saved. Into his heart. <laughs> and uh, his face changed, completely changed. And there's still members of our Gwinnett campus right now. And then I had the great privilege of baptizing him. I think we've got a couple of photos of baptizing him. That's his, that was his backyard pool. And uh, so I baptized him in his backyard pool. And uh, everything's history from that point onward as he, as he decided he was going to follow Jesus. Now, he's the warmest, nicest, most incredible guy you'll ever meet uh, in your life. But on that first Sunday, he certainly didn't look that way. But you never know, when, even when there's dark clouds on someone's mind, God's still working in their heart. It's the great joy. I can tell you story after story of leading people to Jesus on a plane. I've flown on planes and, and a divorcee comes and sits next to me. It's the only pla- uh, seat left. And I'm not wanting her to sit there. The plane's delayed, but she sits next to me. And I start a conversation from Texas, from Dallas, to LA, and by the time we land, she says yes to Jesus. She gives her life to Jesus. She now goes to a, a church, got remarried, been through a painful divorce. Her mother had cancer. All those things had gone on. Now, kids going on for God, life going on for God. This is now 15 years later, and it just proof that Jesus changes yeah. everything. Yeah. Jesus changes everything. And I want to ask you a question today that seems really obvious. We've been talking about this series called I Have a Conviction. And the first week was I Have a Conviction about the Bible, right? If you don't believe the Bible is true, why would you care about it then? Why would you care about God? If the Bible's not true, let's chuck it away and forget this charade, right? Literally, it's a charade if the Word of God is not the Word of God. It's just a club. I'm trying to make, get you to make donations to my club. It's not the church, if I don't believe in the Bible, because the Bible talks about the church 
And therefore, the church is not an institution made by man. It's not a club where you come and donate to the ideas of the club like Rotary. This is the church of the living God. And if the Bible's not true, let's just forget it all. Go home. Watch TV. But if it's true, then let's be good Christians. Why? Because if the Bible is true, then everything Jesus promises you is going to happen. And God wants you to know that. And then the second week we talked about, I have a conviction about the church. Right, We talked about how Jesus died not just for my salvation, didn't just die for me to, to have a ticket out of hell, but he died to create the church so that the church would be the instrument that would bring God's grace to the non-Jewish world and the Jewish world, but it would bring grace to the world as the church honored Jesus as the head and became the body of Christ. Then we talked about uh, running to the battle not running away from the battle, but running to the battle. And then we spoke last week and we talked about that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And it was a book written to Jewish believers called the book of Hebrews, which makes sense. And the writer saying, don't turn away because trouble has come. Don't turn away because uh, uh, issues have arisen. Don't revert back to your past don't go back to what you used to do because you're a little bit disappointed. Remember, Jesus is greater than Moses, Abraham, Aaron, Melchizedek, Joshua, the angels, and anyone that is an icon of your history, Jesus is better. And we spoke about the conviction of Jesus. Well, today I wanna to talk to you about I have a conviction. This is the last in this series. I have a conviction about the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about it in a slightly different way, uh, maybe, than, than I would normally uh, talk to you. But I want to ask you a question. What's the thing, the one thing you cannot do when you get to heaven? When we get to heaven, and we won't talk about any further on than that today, but when we get to heaven, what are we going to do? We'll have time to worship, we'll have time to hang out, we'll have time to do all kinds of things. We'll be with our loved ones who are in heaven forever. We'll be with the people that we care about forever. We'll be worshiping God's presence. There'll be no sickness, there'll be no pain, there'll be no troubles, there'll just be joy and happiness. What we yearn for will be 24-7 and it will go on forever and ever and ever. We'll be able to worship God, we'll be able to have the best worship songs, we'll be able to do all that. One thing we can't do when we get to heaven, what's that? Take people with us. We can't take someone that didn't accept Jesus to heaven with us once we're there. You can't do that. So that one of the most important things, and this is why uh, Jesus came, and this is why the Holy Spirit came, is so that more people, like Reinhard Bonnke, the great German evangelist to Africa said, he said, I've come to plunder hell and populate heaven. I've come to plunder hell and populate heaven. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about that because if the purpose of Jesus coming was to redeem mankind of his sins and her sins, then the purpose and to reunite people to God and to start the church, then the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to accelerate like a virus the message of Jesus throughout the earth. So Jesus said it this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
says, but you will receive, let's read it out together. Come on, let's do this together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus before he ascends to heaven, after the resurrection, giving last instructions to his disciples and the apostles. And he's saying this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Here's what you're gonna get and here's why you're gonna get it. You're gonna get the Holy Spirit and this is why you're gonna get the Holy Spirit so you can testify to who I am. I am the greatest. I am above it all. I am the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Every knee will bow to me one day and I wanna give you the Holy Spirit so that you have power, which is the word dunamis, from which we get the American word, the English word dynamite. It means power and might. It could be translated as boldness. So I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit who's gonna give you boldness to be able to speak about Jesus to everybody that doesn't know Him. I've sat on planes. I've sat with a, a group of uh, women. For some reason, they put me between four women and I'm sitting between these women. They're crying, right? I must be like the dad on the plane. So they put me with the kids and uh, these are like 30-year-old women and they're sitting and they're all crying. And uh, after a while, I try to strike up conversation because God's given me power, boldness to testify about Jesus these crying women look like they need a bit of Jesus. So I asked the Holy Spirit, give me the power, the boldness, because I didn't want to be told to take a jump. God, give me power, boldness to have this conversation. Well, as I had the conversation, I realized they were coming back from Cancun, but they'd only been there for one day. And I said, how come we're coming back from Cancun after one day? Well, last night we were drinking and one of our friends fell off the balcony and died fallen to their death. We've been in police stations all night. Then the girl on the other side figures, it says, who's that? She's kind of mouthing, who's that to her friend? And she goes, he's a priest. <laughs> Which I'm not, of course, but the point is, she says, well, I wanna talk to the priest. So I end up moving chairs. We start playing musical chairs on the plane as each one of the women wanted to talk to me. And by the end, we're standing in the jetway with my arms around these women and their arms around each other as we begin to pray over their lives. Jesus said, I've come to give you boldness so that you can testify about my goodness to people that are in trouble. I could tell you story after story. And here's why it's so important. I'm an introvert. You don't think so. I was the shyest guy ever. If you saw, one day, just to prove it to everyone, I'm gonna bring in the first time I preached. First of all, you're gonna be shocked because I had such beautiful blonde hair. <laughs> Number two, you're gonna, be, you're gonna go, wow, God is real. <laughs> right? You're just gonna be shocked by what you see and what you see now because I am a Holy Spirit-filled introvert that now has boldness and power to overcome my fear. You can be shy, there's nothing wrong with that. But mine was fear-based. 
Mine was fear that kept me held in. So I, I, even if I wanted to do it, I couldn't do it because I had no boldness to overcome my fear. But I asked the Holy Spirit to give me boldness because if without boldness, I'm not going to share about the greatest name that ever lived and will ever live, the name of Jesus, who's superior to our race, to our skin color, to our political affiliation, to our membership of any club, to our wealth, to our money. He is superior to it all, right? And so how do I take what is so awesome and share it? Think about all of us if I found a product that would cure boldness, first of all, I would take it. But then secondly, I'd tell everybody. Right? <laughs> Got some brothers in the house. Come on, everybody. Some people have to, anyway, I won't, I won't go into the, into the ball jokes. We'll keep away from this. But I'll just say that if I found it, I'll tell everybody about, you can get rid of that boldness. Just take this. Well, guess what? Jesus is better than my baldness cure. He's better than your makeup. He's better than your product for skin elasticity. He's better than your filler or your Botox. He's better than your weight loss. He's better than your whatever that you're having that you tell everybody. He's better than all that. But then how come we don't tell people about that as much as we tell them about the latest product or potion that we may have got. It's because we need to be baptized with boldness. God wants to come down. The Holy Spirit wants to baptize you with boldness. He wants to put His boldness on you. Let me show you what dunamis means on the screen. Dunamis means power, strength, and ability. Who likes some power, strength, and ability? Of course, we need it. Dunamis refers to supernatural power, might, and ability. It's the root of the English word dynamite. Dunamis enables bold speech. Let's read Acts 2.3, right? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Why were there tongues of fire at the initial outpouring? So we would understand that when Jesus said you'll receive boldness and power, that it would be demonstrated like a show and tell as tongues of fire in the head, so we would understand their tongues were about to get on fire. No longer were their tongues going to be stuck to the roof of their mouth or unable to speak, but God was going to loosen their lips and have, give them an ability to, when they spoke, their words penetrated. I don't know about you, but when I speak, I want my words to penetrate past the body, past the soul, and into the hearts of people. Why? Because that's the place where transformation happens. The rest is where entertainment happens, but the middle, the heart, the, the, the spirit is where transformation happens. This was symbolic, the tongues of fire of the Holy Spirit that was going to give them the words of boldness. Boldness demonstrates dunamis. When the pre when the I wrote this down when the preachers the preachers when the disciples preached boldly even in the face of opposition it was evidence of the dunamis the dynamite or the power working through them I want you to read this verse with me Acts four thirteen when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men they were what astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want to walk into places where when I speak because of Jesus, people are astonished. Is that what you want? 
to be powerful in that way, that they had been with Jesus. What, they, what did they notice? The boldness, right? It wasn't their clothes. It wasn't their It wasn't even their boldness. It was their boldness. Boldness. The word boldness means freedom in speaking. It means unreservedness in speech. It means to be open, frank, free, and to have fearless confidence and cheerful courage. I like that. Acts 4.31, what had happened was that they had been, uh, they'd gone and told people and people didn't like it and they responded in a negative way, particularly the religious leaders didn't like the freedom that they saw and they didn't like Jesus, so they didn't want people to talk about Jesus, so they reacted to the disciples. So what did the disciples do? They didn't come back and go, and these are now the followers of Christ. Now the church has already started and they're meeting. The people that were going to the church didn't go, okay, please, it's, it's not been a good week this week. I've been given a hard time at work. What did they say? They prayed. And it says, after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. I want you to go back to the verse before if we've got it. I'm not sure if I included it. But it says this. It says, hear their threats and now give us the Holy Spirit so we may preach boldly about the name of Jesus and the place was shaken. You see, the purpose of Jesus was to make a way to God. The purpose of the Holy Spirit was to give you the boldness to talk about Jesus and the way that he made to God. Does that make sense? There's all the other things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to fill, the, fill our, our, our rooms with the presence of Jesus. He wants to heal us. All those things are true, but He wants us to testify because He gives us a boldness to tell people that Jesus is the only way, that you can encounter Jesus if you come with me to church on Sunday, that you can encounter Jesus in this car, that you can encounter Jesus right now, that we can say those things. And even though I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't until I was about 21 that I had the courage to share with people directly about Jesus. I was one of those Christians who was shy and I wanted to say it, but I couldn't find myself. I didn't want the rejection. I didn't want to get hurt. And finally, I'm like, this is crazy. I love Jesus. He's the most important thing in the world but I'm struggling to talk about him. Holy Spirit, would you give me boldness? Would you give me power? Would you baptize me with that evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Would you give me the power to talk to these people? Now, does it mean I feel just bold, so bold? No, it just means I can overcome my reluctance. It means that I can move forward even if I feel some reluctance. And a week later, shared this story before, but a week later I was driving home. In fact, I was driving home and I asked the Holy Spirit, and this is what I wanna ask you to do. I asked the Holy Spirit to open my eyes to what was really going on at work, to what was really going on while I was driving. And you know, when you're driving, you just see cars. But suddenly the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes to see ladies in the cars and men in the cars. And I realized that guy was depressed. And I realized that she had just lost a marriage and he was about to commit suicide and she was normal but was going through financial issues. I started to see past the facade, past the mask, 
because I was looking to see what they needed. Then I was driving into my driveway one day and I saw the man across the road who was in a wheelchair and I felt God say to me, go and see him. I didn't want to see him. I didn't know him, but I'd been praying for boldness. So I asked the Holy Spirit, help me. I need you to help me. Your job was to give me courage to overcome my fear, my reluctance. And it took me two weeks because I'm a slow learner. And I was mowing the lawn in the backyard and the Holy Spirit, just as clear as anything, Holy Spirit said, and what about if he dies before you decide to go? Well, that's a good point. So I devised a plan. It was a rescue plan of my heart, nervous about going to speak to him. And so I went to Pastor Jane and I asked her to make a pizza to take with me. And in fact, before that, I'd said to her, I need you to come. And you know what she did, being the supporting wife that she is? She said, no. She said, I'm not going. God asked you to go. And so I was like, thanks so much, God. There we go. No, it was fine. She was right. So I said, at least make me a pizza then so I can go with a, some kind of offering of some kind. And so she did. And uh, I took it over and he was sitting by the window. He was on the high side. We we're on the low side. Our house is on the low side of the road. He was on the high side. And after talking to him for a little while, I found out he had ALS. He just had a little while to live. He was sitting in his wheelchair with a keyboard. He could only speak through the keyboard by typing in. His voice had gone. The, the, you know, all the motor neuron part of his body was dying. And uh, he said, I've been wanting to see you. I said, wow. Well, that's the first good news I've had since I walked in here. I, I didn't say that, but I thought that. And then he says, I've been, I said, what did you want to see me about? He said, I've been praying to God for two weeks that you would send that man across the road to come and talk to me about Jesus. Here I was waiting for two weeks because I was too scared. He's praying for two weeks. Finally, God got through my thick head, my reluctant heart, my fearful soul. And I went across and I led him to Jesus. I led his wife to Jesus. I led his kids to Jesus in their lounge room. Three months later, he passed away. I was there every day for him up until that time, praying for him. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then I did his funeral. We, many people gave their lives to Jesus at that funeral. You see, Jesus said, the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so you'd be my witness, my testimony. You would testify about who I am. I want to just read you some verses so that we can ask the Holy Spirit. And then I want us to pray, right? We're going to have a time of prayer in the bank and come on up because we're going to get, clo get close to, 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 to finishing up. But this is what I want us to do. We're going to have a bit of a prayer time and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit where we're going to pray for boldness. Who'd like it if the Holy Spirit baptized you with boldness, right? We have opportunities these next few weeks. And I want you to know this. We've set it up so be you. I promise if you invite a lady to be you, she will encounter God in the most profound way, right? We're not putting it on because we don't have anything to do. We're doing it because we want to reach our neighbors, reach our city. Could you help? And I know many of you are coming, all of you are just about coming to yourself, but let's reach out beyond. So this is not about you coming. This is maybe if you've not registered, it is about you coming, but most of us have. I want us to use the, 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 the donation for these unchurched women to invite them today. Don't wait till tomorrow, today and during the week. But let's read what Jesus said. Remember before he said, I'll give you power, he said these words. Let's read it. 
Uh, I'm going to jump down to, let's have a look. Uh, no, we're not going to jump down. we just go through where it is. Acts 4. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Can I say to you, church, one of the prayers you should pray every single day is this. Can I can you put this into your prayer list? Holy Spirit, would you give me boldness today? Would you give me power today to be able to testify about you? Lead me to someone that needs you today. And it goes on, it says, So Paul, Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Acts 14. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. I believe when we start to speak boldly in the name of Jesus, miracles are going to happen in that conversation with people. In Acts 18, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Acts 19.8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing per persuasively about the kingdom of God. You know, if we don't tell people about Jesus that we talked about last week, then they're going to a crisis eternity. The Bible calls it hell. Jude says it this way, be merciful to those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire and to others show mercy. My, my uncle died about the age of 92 and he had resisted Jesus for 80 years, maybe long, 75, 80 years. And on his deathbed, my other uncle led him to Jesus. In the last five minutes of his life, the luckiest man to have ever lived. Man, what are the odds of that? Like It's like one to the 10th to the 17th power or some crazy number. It's impossible. Occasionally it happens, but you don't know. Yesterday I was driving and someone went around a red light and just missed my car by two yards full speed as I was going across. 10 minutes earlier, the Holy Spirit said, be careful when you drive today. Little did I know that I just missed that accident by, how much do you think I missed that accident by? 0 0.03 of a second. Okay? And this guy got into heaven by 0 0.03 of a second. Goes on. In Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see, the greatest buzz, the greatest joy is leading someone to Jesus. Jesus said that this is the great commission. Before he gave, said, I'll give you power, he said, go into all the world and tell people the good news to everyone. And then Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news because it is the power of God that brings salvation. We've heard Danielle talk about it today. We've heard other people talk about it over this time. It's true for us. We have something so good that we need to share it with the world.